Capes on the Couch podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Dr. Issues is a psychiatrist, but he is not your psychiatrist and does not have knowledge of your individual situation. For any personal mental health concerns, please consult your own health care providers. For medical emergencies, please call 911 or the designated number in your area immediately. Remember that you are not alone and help is out there. Hello and welcome to Capes on the Couch for Come and Get Counseling. I'm Anthony Sitko. And I'm Dr. Issues. This is issue number 142, and we're talking Polaris at the request of our present level patron, Janine. But before we get into that, this is the season finale of season six, Holy Smoke, season six, 142 episodes already in the can. And uh, it's just, it's been quite the, uh, quite the interesting year. You know, our first full year dealing with COVID and everything and, and the remote recording. So it's been a challenge, but uh, I think regardless of how COVID plays out or once things return to normal, I think we're still going to stick to the remote recording. It just, at least for me, it logistically makes things a lot easier. Yeah, same, you know, and especially after dealing with these several months of COVID, I'm glad that everyone's listening, including ourselves, is still alive. Yes. Fingers crossed we're all still alive. By the way, I want to give a, a shout out real fast. We've got a new uh, new patron, Tamara. So thank you very much, Tamara. Uh, we appreciate that. I already messaged you and uh, asked for your address. We can send you some stickers and some cool stuff. Uh, if you want to be cool like Tamara, you can go to patreon.com slash capes on the couch and subscribe. And now would actually be a really good time to do it because we are going to be pausing our Patreon for the month of December since we are going on our hiatus for the holiday break. We're not really going to be releasing any major new episodes. We will have one or two things that we may do for the patrons, but essentially you can get a free month out of <laughs> of our Patreon if you if you subscribe now, you know, or if you subscribe during December, you're not going to get charged for it, you know, and then hopefully you like what you get and you stick around and uh, continue to support the show. Because like I said, it keeps the lights on and lets us do more and more things. The more folks that sign up for the show and the more folks that pay for it means the more time we can devote to creating awesome content for you. So, uh, so check that out. Yep, act now while supplies last, only for a limited time. But wait, there's more. Billy Mays here, back from the dead to tell you <laughs> about Capes on the Couch. <laughs> If you sign up right now in the next 15 minutes, we will send you a slap chop. Now, I'm not actually going to send anybody a slap chop. Talk about the, we're just before we started recording, we were talking about the old internet. Talk about that, the slap chop memes. Yes. Oh boy. So uh, Polaris, Lorna Sally Dane. Yes, her initials are LSD, and yes, that was referenced. Created by Arnold Drake and Jim Steranko in X-Men number 49, October of 1968. Lorna Dane was summoned to the X-Men by the mutant villain Mesmero, who mentally called upon all mutants to help him fight the team. So Magneto showed up to rescue her and claimed to be her father, explaining why she has his same magnetic abilities. So Iceman, this is very early on, so pre-coming out, Iceman spoke to her foster parents because he was trying to mack it to her. He spoke to her foster parents who told her that her birth parents died in a plane crash, and she joined the team and began a relationship with Havoc, who 
I'm sure we will get to at some point in the not too distant future. So Eric the Red, who is a Shi'ar agent, telepathically controlled her and gave her the name Polaris. She was freed by Xavier, but kept the name. She later gained a secondary ability to manipulate emotions and use them to enhance her own powers, but this was removed after a battle with the Shadow King. So she and Havoc were reserved X-Men for many years until they joined X-Factor. They were kind of in an off-again, on-again relationship. Uh, They left the team after his apparent death. Spoiler alert, he didn't actually stay dead. Uh, So she helped Magneto run Genosha for a while as she felt she needed to make amends. She also learned better control over her powers. And during this time, it was confirmed that Magneto was, in fact, her father. She rejoined the X-Men after the Genosha massacre, although she was suffering from trauma as a result. And then she got engaged to Havoc, who left her at the altar for a nurse that he was having a psychic affair with while he was in a coma. Hashtag because comics. She was transformed into pestilence by apocalypse and served as one of his horsemen. After she is returned to normal, she once again quits the X-Men. Then she joins the Star Jammers, where she helps the Inhumans because she is Crystal's sister-in-law uh, through Quicksilver. So she later learns that her powers manifested at three years old. She witnessed her parents arguing about her mother's infidelity and her ensuing emotional response triggered her latent magnetic abilities, which crashed the plane they were all on. Then Magneto showed up and had Mastermind wipe her mind of all of the memories. So she's currently living on Krakoa, where she's on a team investigating mutant deaths. That is... Again, a very brief overview, uh, but it is an interesting trivia note that Polaris is the first member uh, to join the X-Men permanently outside of the original starting five. Good to know. And I'm just going to add one more for flavor, only because it goes with the theme. At one point, she was, I don't know the proper term, but I'll just say possessed by malice, which also had a significant effect on her for that time period. Yes, that was uh, kind of earlier on. Well, that was right around when she, uh, I believe she, right before she got the ability to manipulate emotions. Yeah, that's uh, to to explain why I'm even doing that. Uh, don't get me wrong. I do my research for these things, but that is one thing that I had genuinely, like just at the time, organically read. So, hey, what do you know? Doc actually has something to contribute on the comic side for once. It happens. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I'm exaggerating. Okay. Self-deprecating humor, of course. That's fair. That's fair. So the issues, uh, Janine was uh, wonderful enough to give us some, some writings. So the first one is her constantly revolving powers. Her powers kind of tend to fluctuate. She has the emotional stuff. She doesn't. She's dealing with magnetism and then her, her level of control over that also fluctuates. And for, for a lot of comic book characters, so much of their power set becomes a portion of their identity. But when your powers are evolving and revolving and you have them, you don't, they're changing, et cetera, that can be difficult to lock down a a portion of who you are. And that has an impact on her mentally. Yeah, I agree. Uh, So to bring this into our world, I think the equivalence would be so many of us where we go through different stages in our lives where we either don't know exactly what it is that we want to do or even the things that we're doing. At times, we're getting great feedback and it sounds like everything's totally on track. And then through no 
faults. I hate using that word, but no fault of our own. Things change and we're either back to square one or we're just wondering what comes next. There might be a little bit of a introspection going on with this one. But anyway, uh, the point is with someone like Polaris, it's pretty fairly established that she can wreck shop. She can do a lot with her abilities. And everybody comes to understand that. Uh, But she doesn't always understand that. She thankfully is willing to learn and willing to adapt over time. But many of us have a lot of difficulty with changes, have a lot of difficulty with the idea that not every single day you're going to have your A game. And we don't know what to do when we don't. So that's going to lead to some reactions with other people if there's expectations of what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to do it. And you're not exactly the most consistent with it. And I'm not saying any of this as insults. I'm saying this as observations because sometimes life itself isn't offering the opportunity for the level of consistency that you would want for either your talents or your skill sets or even your own personal desires and you know things that you want for personal development and growth to happen on a regular basis. Some of us, it might be working out. Some of us, it might be our social circles. So I don't want to just make this sound like a one-note line about just who you are personally and what your talents are and special abilities and just equate it all with superpowers. But I love the analogy of it. And it still stands. If you're going to constantly be in flux, then that means that the people around you are going to have not always the best uh, responses. Uh, Hopefully you have a strong enough circle that it's not something that becomes a problem, uh, but it can be. It, It just leads to that opportunity. And the more challenges you have with it, the more you realize that the only thing you can ever accept is change. And once you do that, somehow, magically, quote unquote, things become a bit easier. Well, change is hard for, I would say, the overwhelming majority of us to that extent. Some folks are better at rolling with things than others. And obviously, we all deal with unexpected circumstances that arise on any given day. It's just the nature of living. But when so many of those changes are intrinsically tied to identity, then to your point, it becomes difficult and you need to rely on that whatever support system and structure that you have, because if that much is changing, just from a hardwired standpoint, you're going to be looking to whatever stability you can grab onto. And I would hope that those sources of stability are positive ones and not negative ones, because it's just as easy for someone to latch on to, say, a bad relationship or, you know, any number of other trauma triggering events, if only because it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And that's why a lot of people stay in bad relationships, because so much of their life is in turmoil. And even though that abusive partner is the source of that trauma, they know it. And it is a source of quote unquote stability. It's it's a horrible sense of stability, but it it is still 
the very literal devil they know. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So that's that's issue one. And I think it sort of dovetails nicely then into the second one. And this is her powers impacting those around her, as well as the electrical impulses in her brain. And this goes back to her her secondary mutation of her ability to impact the emotions around her and use that to to make herself stronger. And it became a situation where she was basically fomenting strife and discord among those around her because all of that that horrible negative energy was making her stronger. And so it became negative association, so to speak. And that created a whole host of problems. And it wasn't until the battle with the Shadow King and she was able to overcome that, that that portion of her her powers were eliminated. And so that had an impact on, again, her relationships with other people because they said, well, you know, are you being real here? Are you going to try and use us? Because if you know somebody is going to be using you in that sense to make themselves more powerful, then you're not going to want to associate with that person. Pop culture reference time. So I know you know this person, Anthony, but I'm going to give a little bit of a background. There is a comedian by the name of Christopher Titus, and he actually had a television show for a little while. It was a comedy. And I remember it because maybe I'm one of the five people in the world that absolutely love that show. Uh, but it was based on some of his stand up. And the whole point was he was in a long term relationship and he uses one line. How can I destroy it? And obviously the way he delivers it is funnier than the way I'm delivering it. But there was some truth, as with most comedy, there's there's a lot of truth underlying that statement. And what it meant was he had been so used to the idea of turmoil and and difficulties in his interactions with people, uh, even the people that loved him and were close to him, that even if he had an example of some sort of stability, it was almost inherent in how he would view things and how he would interact that it would lead to greater problems because that's what he was more familiar with. He was more familiar with chaos, more familiar with emotional volatility. And some people, whether they're consciously doing it or unconsciously doing it, may tend to favor those interactions over what we would be, what we would consider quote unquote stable. And I hate saying it that way either because no one does that perfectly every time. It doesn't matter how deep the relationship goes. But some people actually seem to live on that edge and they want to test boundaries constantly trying to have people demonstrate either some level of proof of love, of satisfaction. Uh, they may have just a tendency uh, not to invoke a lot of the pop culture psychology about these things, but uh, if you've ever heard of the different love languages, uh, some people like words of affection, some people like acts of service. And these are all positive coping things, and, and that's all great in moderation. When, when someone, in theory, takes it to the point of, I need to have praise and attention every second of the day. And if you don't give it to me, then somehow you're showing that you don't love me the way that I would expect, or I am doing all of these things for you. And if you're not matching what I'm doing 100% shot for shot, then you're clearly dropping the ball or any other manipulative tactics in a relationship that uh, can lead to 
not just conflict, but ultimately the dissolution of the fact that you two are spending time with one another. And and while I may be talking more about intimacy right now, I can also be talking about friendships. I can be talking about working relationships. I can be talking about acquaintances. It all it all translates very similarly. And it's it's I hate to say it again, but these are the terms that people use. So if I don't you you know if I use them, hopefully it'll it'll bring it home a little more. People who are drama bombs, they just come into a situation. They like to stir up the pot. They love the fact that there's a lot of emotional intensity. And for some people, it does create opportunities to foster relationships. But in the long run, not in the way that you would want to. So just being aware that you may be doing it to others, if, even if you're not conscious of it. And of course, being aware that you have every right to put limits and boundaries with people if they're doing it to you. Absolutely. We've spoken numerous times on the show about the importance of boundaries and establishing a clear boundary because it's, it's for yourself. And I know it's hard and I know that it is not, uh, it's not pleasant to tell somebody no or to upset somebody. But if we continually defer our own desires for the benefit of others, all we're doing is is suppressing ourselves. And you got to compromise. You have to make nice. And I understand that not every situation can call for a clear cut and dry. No, you can't do that. That there's got to be some give and take and you can't get your way all the time. But if you find yourself repeatedly over time, just chronically suppressing your wants and needs to not make waves or to help other people, and I'm putting that in quotes because it's not always helpful, then that's something that you really need to re-examine. Um, and you have to find that, that strength to say, this is where I'm going to stop. The line must be drawn here from Star Trek. But again, it comes down to you have to be comfortable with yourself and you have to be willing to accept the consequences of that no. No is a full and complete sentence. I've seen that a lot lately on the internet, that no is a full and complete sentence. And it is true that if it comes down to it, you don't have to provide your reasons. It may be helpful. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you don't have to. Depending on the situation, you do not need to provide your reasons why you're saying no. And that's something that Polaris has gotten better at, but it wasn't always easy from the start. So the last issue that Janine brings up is her revolving door relationship with her father. And this is, again, something that uh, anyone who's really associated with Magneto, I think, has a revolving door relationship with him, whether it's Charles, whether it's Pietro and Wanda, whether it's basically any of the the villains, everybody's got an on again, off again relationship with Magneto. And that all comes back to what is Eric trying to do for himself at this particular point? And does it align with my personal values and what it is that I'm trying to do? So to put it a little more colloquially, many of us, I think, can relate to what I'm about to describe. You're having an average day. Let's not say it's the happiest. Let's not say it's the worst. And your phone either rings or vibrates, whatever. And you look down 
and you see the number. <sighs> and you, you do that sigh. You know who it is. You know it's that person. That person that clearly means something to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have saved the number in your phone. But it's also the one that you have previously may have blocked and then unblocked then thought about blocking again, but didn't. And you don't answer the phone, but then they text you and you look and you see that the last time you got a text from them was months ago. And even then that may have resolved okay, but the times in between were a little rough. And you say to yourself, what now? There's so many loaded emotions with those encounters. And I know that's just one example. It can be in person. It can be all of it. Okay. At this point, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. And if it's a family member, that makes it even more awkward because at this point, you feel like there's an obligation, which, by the way, you have every right to create your own life. You do not have to follow anyone else's scripts, please. Uh, but let's go with the premise that you are trying to maintain some level of relationship with that person. Unfortunately, there's a very good chance that you're not predicting the outcome for everything because the other person has their preset agenda. You just don't know it yet. And when that happens, you're going on a fact-finding mission, basically trying to figure out at what level is my involvement. Is this a situation where this person is trying to reestablish a rapport that's going to be positive, at least for the time that you're going to have those interactions? Or is this a situation where that person is desperate for your level of attention, either for direct personal gain or for unknown psychological value that is going to leave you drained and exhausted? Is it a combination of the two? There is no right or wrong answer for all of this. This is just more an acknowledgement that if you're going through that or you're having that experience, there is a very, quote, one cheap trick that you can actually do. And it's up to you if you ever want to do it. And that is to actually consistently walk away or stop talking or just say no, as Anthony said in the previous segment. So in all of these circumstances, I want to acknowledge that any emotion you have is valid. If you're angry, that's fair. If you are sad, if you're mourning, what used to be a great relationship and it's gone and there's glimmers that it can be better again. Okay, that's fair. If you're excited for a new opportunity because you have developed some level of optimism that things are going to be different this time. Okay, I'm glad you're able to show that side. If you get to the point where you feel like this person truly is unchanged and manipulative and all of that, well, you might want to go with your gut on that too. So I'm not pretending to say that you should have everything outlined, but this is one of those things where I'll admit I'm not a great planner, but boy, oh boy, when you're dealing with these people, whether it's, like I said, family or anyone else, I do make sure I have a plan. I'll get into that in the out-of-universe treatment to see what I mean. Well said. And again, to your point, we've all been there. We all know that person. And I would hope we are not that person to someone else because you have to look at it from that perspective as well, that, you know, we're speaking as though the person is coming to us, that we are, we may potentially being used. 
But you have to take a hard look at your behavior and go, am I using this person? Am I coming across as this way to someone else? And if that is the case, then what do I need to do to either be more secure in myself and have a better understanding of who I am and also be more honest about the relationship? And is it a situation where you're subconsciously using this person because you're struggling through stuff? And so that may end up happening. I know because it's happened to me where I didn't realize, oh, hey, all of a sudden I find I'm really only talking to this person when I need something or if I'm going through stuff. The uh, it's it's a colloquial thing, but the the drunk dial, you know, that, oh, you're going through some stuff and oh, hey, that's the person I'm going to call or the drunk text that this is the person I'm going to reach out to when I'm low. And then something may come of it, something may not, but you have to be willing to face that hard truth about yourself and your actions. And what am I trying to get, you know, what are you trying to get out of it for yourself? And then say, is this a relationship that I'm willing to continue from your own perspective? So I know a lot of what you were saying is, you know, from the point of view of the person who's receiving that phone call, but I'm taking it from the point of view of the person who's making that phone call. Think twice about why you're really making the phone call and do you want to be the person on the other end of that? Because if you're making that phone call, you're you're so self-absorbed, you're not considering what the other person on the other end of that line is thinking about. And so if you take that into consideration, that may help you make better, more well-informed choices in the future. Well said, well said. And I'll admit, while I do give consideration to the other side of it, I'll admit that patients usually come to me from the side I presented. So that's why I wanted to at least present it that way. And unfortunately, and hopefully I'm wrong with this, but experience has shown me that many times the person making that phone call is way off from doing that type of self-assessment. I, I hope I'm wrong about that. But Well, you're coming at it from the clinical perspective and obviously things are going to be a little different from your end, if you're seeing somebody in a hospital environment, you're seeing somebody in an emergency room environment, or even even if it's an outpatient type environment that they're going through some stuff. I'm just talking more on the street level, so to speak, you know, the real world application of that. You know, I, it's amazing that you just said that because I just recently had an encounter. Obviously, I have to protect HIPAA, so I'm not giving names, I'm not giving, you know, significant detail, but the point is, a patient had a concerned family member that called 911 for them because of statements that they made on social media that were very concerning. The family member's point was this person only does this when they're intoxicated and they never make any other contact, but then they're lamenting the fact that they don't have the relationship that they would like to have. And so now I'm in the situation evaluating this patient who's taking zero responsibility for any of it, just saying it was drunk talk. Unfortunately, though, the patient has a history of doing this and acting on it. So he ended up with a, let's just say, a conclusion that he didn't necessarily want for himself at the time for the sake of safety. So you actually just jog my memory that actually, yeah, I guess I do deal with this on the other side a lot, too. And maybe, fingers crossed, pine sky thinking, that will be the wake up call for this person to make some changes in their life that, hey, if I've been running off at the mouth and this is where it's gotten me and I don't want to be here again, that let's think back on, you know, 
like record scratch. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation, like that kind of thing and saying, hey, I don't want to be hospitalized again for mouthing off on social media. Maybe if I had a better relationship with people and and they could maybe stop me before I got to this point, then, you know, things would be better. But again, wish in one hand, in the other, and we'll see which one fills up first. So that's that's ultimately what it comes down to. Um, so we're going to take a break. We're going to plug uh, our sponsor, BetterHelp, and uh, some friends of ours. And when we get back, we will get into treatment. Stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your individual needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You can begin communicating within 48 hours. It isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp has a network of over 15,000 counselors with a broad range of expertise. You can log in and message your counselor anytime to get timely and thoughtful responses. You can also schedule regular video or phone sessions. No waiting room required. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you feel you don't have a good connection. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial help is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com capes. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Capes on the Couch fans. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com capes. If you're into all things comics, you have to check out Take a Knee for Marvel vs. DC, your go-to podcast for comic and superhero discussion, debates, polls, and more. Tune in as regular Scott and Ozzy Killmonger chat about your favorite comic topics, and you never know who may show up for an open mic or what will be next on their favorite, One Gotta Go. Take a knee for Marvel vs. DC. Every Sunday, powered by the Defy Light Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Chris Claremont. You're listening to Capes on the Couch. And we're back. So treatment in universe for Polaris. This is going to be an interesting one because, again, she's got a litany of items to address. It's definitely not going to be a one shot. So go for it. So here's the thing. She has a certain level of powers that are from her direct genetic lineage. And those type of powers do tend to lend themselves directly to the brain, as has already been hinted at. And unfortunately, as she's already experienced. I would need some technical help with this, but in terms of trauma treatment with EMDR and certain types of visualizations, I'm going to need a specialized machine, pretty much. Think of a, a lower-powered Cerebro that would tap into what she already does and just focuses it purely on her own mental state. Not without, you know, manipulating all the other stuff magnetically and all that, you know, but it's, it's pretty much the inverse of what Eric would have ever wanted. It's why he wears the helmet, you know, and I know she's already had those experiences with others, but I don't want any psychics involved. I don't want any, any of those people. I want her to just get things channeled in a way with a machine that's capable of experiencing her mind and tapping into what already was a secondary power 
And I think that would allow for a greater emotional regulation when it comes to dealing with a lot of people who have screwed her over royally. Well, it's funny you bring that up. And, I, and frankly, I should have mentioned this during uh, one of the previous discussions, but in one of the more recent runs of All New X Factor, and this is before the whole retcon that Pietro and Wanda are not actually Magneto's kids and they're really in humans, blah, 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 blah. Wanda shows up at her door and is like, hey, we haven't hung out as sisters in like ever. We should get together. And Lauren is like, what do you want? Why are you really here? And so from that perspective, she she doesn't trust it. And so, you know, again, I, I should have brought that up sooner. But to this point, I think that machine. And as soon as you started speaking, I was like, oh, so you want a, a different Cerebro then. So it makes sense that you would bring that up. It would help break down those barriers to trust that she would understand that not everyone is necessarily out to use her. That yes, there are people that are going to try and screw her over, but it's not everybody. And that maybe if you can soften that edge a bit, that it will, it will help alleviate some of the, the brusqueness, because at one point she became very, very detached almost because of everything that she had been through. And so she was, I think this is when one of the earlier runs of X Factor, she became really ruthless because she was like, I'm not going to trust anybody and I'm not going to give them an opportunity to screw me over. So I'm just going to, she, she killed a couple of, I believe, anti-mutant terrorists and the rest of the team was like, whoa, what the hell are you doing? And she's like, better them than us. And so it was like this, this hard side of her because she had such a lack of trust that it was impacting the rest of her. So if that machine and your therapy can help break that down and help her at least differentiate better between the people that are actively trying to use her and abuse her versus the people that are maybe just not all transactions are out to screw you. It's just some relationships are just transactional. Some interactions you're having are just going to be transactions. And that's just the very nature of it. It doesn't make it bad or good. It's just they're neutral. But if she views all of those as bad, then she's going to come at it differently. If she understands that at least some of them are just on an even playing field, that will help soften the blow for a lot of things. Yeah. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm just going to make that as a direct transition then to out of universe treatment, because what we will be talking about is a person who uh, has a history of traumatic events in their life, a history of relationships that have not worked out on a personal level, but also legitimately has has really been messed up because of the way people have just absolutely abused her or him and powers through. I don't want to make it sound like this person at this point is an emotional weeping mess and all of that because that's not the way she's presented. She's actually incredibly formidable, incredibly strong and, and has so many things that are going for her. Uh, so... From that standpoint, especially the fact that she has to deal with people like this on a regular basis anyway, just because of the nature of what she is in. It could be because of her line of work. It could be because of her family dynamics, whatever. So we're dealing with that type of person, that type of patient, I should say, and their circumstances. It's no one person. As I had hinted at with the issues, that person needs to develop a plan. And what that means, because that level of trust is so hard to come by and so hard to acknowledge, a lot of the baseline interactions that that person has needs to feel at least transactional so that there is a net gain for the patient. Because at that point, 
usually their overwhelming evidence, which, by the way, is factual, leads to the idea that most of the time when you're dealing with someone, they're just trying to get more than you. And if that's the case, as you so eloquently put it, they're just going to see it as a bad opportunity to talk to anybody new or even the people they know. If they know it's going to go wrong, you, you can almost become self-defeating. But if you have a plan ahead of time, first of all, to acknowledge, and this is the part of the therapist, to acknowledge that, first, what evidence do you have that things are all bad? Because when you catastrophize to the point that things are 100% negative, then you've gone past for the most part, the part of reality. After all, you are still alive. You're still breathing. You have things that you either want to accomplish that have been blocked by other people, which is unfortunate, or things that no one even knows about that you are going to do in the future, which is going to give you an opportunity to change what's already happened. Either way, because there's always more than one mental construct to do it, and because of my skew on CBT, you're going to get that opportunity, and that's going to lead to a change in mindset that'll propel you forward in future interactions. But beyond that, because I don't want to just stop there, and I'll admit, because I work for a hospital system, they have it much more formulaic and workbook format, but it doesn't have to be that way. Think about the last time that you felt you were in control. And usually for a person like this, it's when nobody else was around, which is totally fine. The point is, Think about the circumstances and environment that you're in when that happens. Place yourself in that environment or situation as soon as possible. And for many people, it is the therapist's office. And write down what your ideal interaction would be. Even if it's with someone that you consider to be a person that's causing you problems, if you want to still have them in your life or you think that there's something still going on that, that you want to get better, idealize it a little bit, but not not to the point that it's all sunshine and rainbows, but just literally from a transactional standpoint, think of the things that you want to happen or the things that you would want to talk about or the things that you want to see happen and write it down. Because the things that you write down when you're in a calm state are the things that you're going to directly reference. And I do mean this, like literally paper in hand that you're going to reference when you're in that sense of turmoil. Because one of the things that happens with people is they don't recognize who they are in that moment, and they're letting the other person dictate what's happening. When you give up that sense of control of what you want in a transactional situation, because unfortunately that is how many of these things start, then you're going to just fall back into that same cycle. But if you actually find a way to invoke that calm self, that calm state of mind that was rational, that was organized and had their goal set out in the first place and just go back to that, then there is a strong likelihood that you're going to end up with better results. And I say it that way because I recognize it's not going to be that way for every single interaction or every single person that you interact with, but it's certainly going to be better than the baseline that you had before then. And I don't want people to get so far into the weeds of the psychoanalytical side that they feel like they have to have that all figured out before doing this. You don't. You can still have all of those outbursts, all those panic attacks, all the anger rages, all the depression and crying, all of that. You can still have those things, but you're always going to have those moments that are less intense. Do the deep work then, write it down, 
put it somewhere. I don't care if it's your fridge. I don't care if it's your mirror in the bathroom, whatever. Put it there. Keep it in your wallet. Keep it in your purse, whatever. Give yourself those reminders. And I know it may sound silly. Pull it out when you feel whatever those emotions that are evoked when you're dealing with that person. Pull it out. Actually reference it. Don't worry about what the other person is thinking about because remember, they were thinking about their own system way before they were thinking about you. And actually stick with your plan because it's better than just winging it. That is something I, wow. I hadn't considered the, the writing it down, but I do acknowledge and, and I, you know, I understand we've had this discussion before that when people are triggered or when people are going through trauma, they revert to that, that base schema. So what you have to do is you have to alter that base schema until it changes. And so you have to basically reprogram yourself. That's essentially what it's doing. You are reprogramming yourself to say, I'm not going to react this way. I'm now going to handle, even if you have to script it out, even if you have to literally read from a script, you have to get it to the point, maybe practice even. That's another thing. Maybe don't even wait until you're in that situation to say, okay, if you can, if you can do so, if you have the time to do so safely. And I know as, and I've said many times on the show, I like to kind of practice conversations before I have them. And I've done this because I've practiced my response in the face of what I perceive as going to be anticipated trauma that I will say, okay, if they say this, then I will say this. It's, it's, you know, kind of like a conversation tree, like, you know, or if you're playing, you know, any video game where it's like this person says this and you have like four responses, like which one is it going to be? And then that will trigger the response. I'm basically playing Mass Effect in my head in real time. But what it comes down to is, is have that conversation tree in your head and script it out so that when they say this or if they say this, then you know what your response is going to be and it will help make it more comfortable so that you don't get as, you can still get nervous. And I know this happens to me all the time that I will feel my heart elevate. I will literally feel my fight or flight response kick in. But because I've practiced the response and I'm comfortable with what I'm saying, and I believe that it's going to lead to the, the resolution that I want, that I will stick with it. And then I won't just immediately go, uh, never mind what I said. I'm going to go back to whatever my, my triggered trauma response is. So if you, can rehearse those types, those types of situations and rehearse those kinds of responses before they happen, they will be more natural and you can eventually reprogram yourself to, to have that kind of positive confirmation, not just when you're in that scenario, but the rest of the time that eventually becomes second nature and it shifts who you are as a person. Matt says, I've taken to having my phone alert me with affirmations. That's a fantastic thing to do, whether it's whether you're in that trauma response or not, just to be able to say, hey, this is something that I need to remember about myself. And then this is something that I need to keep in mind because we all go through that. We all yep. have bad days. We all yep. get into lull. Yep. If you're being triggered by something, uh, recognizing what your healthy coping skills are, having those written down so that you don't have to just immediately remember what it is that helps you. Uh, and and also acknowledging and writing down when I'm doing poorly, it's usually evidenced by and it could be whatever. It could be alcohol, drugs. It could be rages at, at your family. It could be whatever. But having those written down and actually those, it's not so much 
just for you, those actually are ones that can be shared with the people that you care about because then they know because they may not know what your triggers are, but they can acknowledge, okay, you wrote to me and said, this is what, you know, you do when you're, you're struggling. I'm just letting you know you're struggling. I'm not saying that as a bad thing, you know, and it, oh man, I'm telling you this, this is the type of stuff that I know sometimes we, we go way heady and intellectual with so many things when it comes to the psyche, but this is stuff that was figured out by so many civilizations centuries ago, and we just keep trying to iterate it for our changing dynamics of the world. But it, 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 this is all stuff that everyone can do. You don't need a degree for any of this. Oh, my goodness. I think I just lowered my pay grade. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's true that if you can, if you recognize this and you say, again, if you put this out on paper, and you say, okay, and you, you share this with other people, then they say, you're doing this, and this is typically your trigger, your, your trauma response to whatever. So what happened that you're now in this state, and let's work on addressing it, because having that safety net around you and creating that safety net around you is really only going to help you. That, that is a success. You're setting yourself up for success. And now... Make sure that the person that you're sharing this with is willing to to be there because you don't want to just give this to someone that you you can't trust. Because if you're in the middle of a trauma response and the person that you're relying on to be your safety net flakes or isn't there for you, that's just going to spiral you way worse. So you have to be sure the person that you're sharing this with is going to be able to assist you with this. But you know this this is a, this is a major but. But having said that. If they are there for you and can be there for you, that is absolutely huge. And you should definitely share this with them and say, listen, I acknowledge these things about myself. And it's not easy. That that kind of introspection is never simple. But to be able to say, these are my trauma responses. If you see me, this means I'm slipping. And you listen, you and I have both been been married for, for a while. You've obviously been married a hell of a lot longer than I have. But our spouses know just they we don't even have to say anything, you know, and that's the your spouse should, in theory, be able to to pick up on these things before you you talk about it. To be able to say, "Hey, listen, I I've noticed that you're you're off or whatever, or something's up. So let's talk about what led you to get to this point." And then you can build and you can learn from that, and you just be able to say, "Okay, you're right. I am slipping. Let's work on getting me back on track." Or conversely, you may notice in your spouse, "Hey, something's a little off with you." Let's talk about why you're doing it. You know, my wife and I catch each other all the time. That's what being a partner is. Not every listener here has been married for, for many, many years, but hopefully you have somebody in your life that can help you with that to say, hey, keep an eye on me and I'll, and I'll keep an eye on you and we'll help each other. And then if enough of us do this and we can help collectively repair our individual and collective traumas, then we might have a shot at making this world a better place. But, you know, again, pie in the sky thinking. Anyway, so um, speaking of my, Janine, 24 years, congratulations. That's awesome. I've known Doc 25 years. Um, so he's <laughs> he's my rock for, for that length of time. Uh, my wife has, I've been with my wife six years, but um, <laughs> speaking of my wife, she is actually going to be helping us 
when we get Polaris on Dr. Issues' couch. Hello, Polaris. I'm Dr. Issues. So what do you want to talk about first? Just cut right to it, huh? Not one for beating around the bush. When you've seen the stuff I have, you don't waste time. Fair enough. Well, if that's the case, I'll leave it up to you to choose the topic and we can go from there. I don't like being manipulated. I'm sure you don't, like most people. I don't mean being misled or gaslit. I mean, people actually getting into my brain and making me do things beyond my control. I'm not sure how I can help with that other than to tell you to avoid situations where someone would get that opportunity. Thanks for nothing. But wait, wait. Uh, I'm not saying I can't help you completely. I'm saying I don't have psychic powers. I don't know if that's what you were looking for. I don't want to mislead you, which kind of ties in, right? <laughs> I say it. Yeah, I understand if you thought about it from a mutant perspective. No, I don't want any psychic stuff. I want resilience, I guess. You survived, so that shows a baseline resilience. What sort of emotional and physical responses occur when you think about those situations? Everything. All of it. It's horrible. Well, no wonder it's the first thing on your mind. Not to sound stereotypical, but trauma really does carry its own special kind of baggage. Is this recent stuff or childhood or, or both? This is where it gets weird. It started at childhood, but I didn't know about it. And then there were other problems as I got older that were unrelated to that, but were a direct result of the kids' stuff. It sounds convoluted when I say it like that. And, and yet I was able to follow. Uh, families hide things to theoretically protect the innocent, but there's the risk of altering the relationship at a later age. Exactly. And then I have to sort out all of it. My father, my foster parents, Alex, the other ones who controlled me. It's too much. It, it sounds like a and lot. Don't forget everyone that died. They didn't have to die. I'm not saying it's my fault. But what if I didn't do enough? I'm not some hysterical monster. Whoa, I didn't say. And don't say it's not my fault. I had to be the embodiment of making the worst fears of humanity come true. Whenever someone powerful sees me, they automatically think of me as a commodity. And what's the fix? Mind wipe, false memories. But all I ever do is keep digging. Nobody was able to keep me from my own truth. Do you have... Anybody to help? Yeah, I really do. But how can they understand? They can't. You can't understand. Ugh, what's the point of all of this? I know that nobody else has the answers. Well, what do you... I want trust. I want to be trusted and to trust other people. Whenever I do, it backfires. I'm just so sick of... First, first, let me finish. Why are you shouting? <sighs> I'm trying to match your intensity. Oh, that's a difficult task. It, you've identified the problem accurately. And for some people, that takes years of counseling. So you're ahead of the curve. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm not done. However, it's clear you're trying to compensate for a historical lack of control with an even bigger focus on commandeering a conversation to your whims. That won't work for longer periods with a professional. And. And what? Uh, oh, I'm. I'm sorry, I was just expecting another interruption. Anyway, the point is, trust is not a light switch, even if everyone around you treats it like one. Does that make sense? Sure, but trying to convince anyone close in my life of that. I'm not going to give you any BS on that. You're, you're going to struggle with this for a while. The hell was that? I didn't do anything. Oh, I think we just had a power surge. Oh, damn, weather's going crazy. You'd think Storm was... Oh, no. Ah. 
Are you okay? Okay with what? You just look like you got electrocuted. I I think we have a blackout in the area. That sounds bad. Who are you, by the way? No. Oh, well, if you're going to be a jerk about it, I'll introduce myself first. I'm... I know who you are. Do you remember anything that you already said to me? I asked who you are. You have this freaked out look. I'm supposed to meet with a therapist, so if you're the assistant... Uh, Let's just reschedule... Uh, no, 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 wait. I, I, I think if... Hopefully I can build up the static. Looks like you're a weird dancer, so... Ow! Oh. I hope that did it. What kind of sicko psychiatrist are you shocking me like that? I spent all this time pouring my heart out to you and you turn it into some joke? You, you, I, you're, you're welcome? <sighs> you're just like all the others. At least I gave you your memories back. I'm shocked that went as well as it did. Wow. Wow. I I think you've outpunned me. I was just going to be direct. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't want to alternate between serious yeah. and joking. Yeah. Yeah. I need that... to ground it in some kind of reality. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I need to stay current with my references. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even trying to top this. Anthony has has definitely, you know, he's he's raised the bar. He he really has the capacity to. I've just been hit with a spark of creativity. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, he's getting our fans charged up for what's coming for the next season. So recommended reading. Uh, it's a little more recent, but the all new X Factor, written by Peter David where Lauren is the, the team leader of X Factor and really does, I think, a good job of mixing, aside from the rest of the team, showing her dealing with all of the struggles of her past and, and all the stuff sort of catching up with her and how she's trying to continue to do good in an ever-changing world while also coping with all of her existing trauma and, and things of that nature. And that's where the, it's a fantastic issue. It's, I forget which one I want to say, uh, maybe 14 or 15 is where she has lunch with Wanda and danger. Um, the, the female personification of the danger room. Um, it's just, it's a good kind of bubble-ish issue where or a bottle issue, so to speak, where it's just mainly focused on the three women there and their relationship with each other, and particularly Wanda and Lorna and how they get along as sisters, half sisters, so to speak, that really haven't had a lengthy, uh, a solid relationship in quite some time. Um, so, so check that out. We'll have uh, links to that in the show notes. So, as we said, this is uh, going to be our winter break. So, I know uh, when this gets released. Uh, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, at least in the U.S., and then we've got all the the various December holidays coming up, um, and then it's the end of the year, and then it'll be January, and good grief almighty, it's, it's, it's almost December is upon us. I just, <laughs> where the hell did this year go? Good point, man. I, I it's, just, it's been a fun ride. So we're we're going to be back in January with new episodes, uh, including uh, Jessica Drew, Tara, and The Thing. 
So uh, very much looking forward to that uh, and all of those and among many others. And we've got uh, we've got episode 150 coming up and we're going to be doing something special for that. So we'll have more on that uh, come come January. And again, I just want to say a, a thank you to all of our patrons, Dan, uh, Tamara, our newest patron, Kate, uh, local officials, Frank, Ray, Jonathan, Mayors, Angela, Chad, Devin, Maggie, Matt, Ryan, Tasha, and Presidents, Ariel, Janine, Matt, and Ruby. Thank you. Thank you. This is, you know, right before Thanksgiving, and we are grateful to all of our patrons and everybody who listens to these episodes, everybody who shares, likes, you follow along with our content, all of our guests. Uh, anybody who's contributed a voice to us this year, uh, wh- whoever's playing the music that Doc is grooving to in his head right now, you're <laughs> watching on the live stream. Uh, Doc is just kind of getting his his groove on. But seriously, thank you to everybody. Thank you to my wife uh, for for playing Polaris in this episode, as well as giving me the the freedom and the time to to do this and to speak with you all. And thank you to my son, who is two and a half and the absolute raison d'etre for me personally. He is the reason why I get up and, and live every single day. Again, my, my family and every single one of you, every person who interacts with us, every listener, every friend of the show, podcaster or otherwise, um, thank you. You've made this uh, a fun year. It's been our best year yet. It's been our biggest year yet in terms of downloads and outreach and things of that nature. So I'm just kind of rambling at this point. So I'll let Doc take over and uh, say your your thank yous. Yeah, I wanted to thank everybody because your personal magnetism has really shown through. Uh, I really hope that it attracts the proper people in your life. I hope that things don't stay static if you're going through some difficulties. And I think that we're all going to be incredibly shocked by just how well the next year can go if you just continue to have a positive mind and don't let things go too far south. And with that, we will say uh, just uh, again, all of our episodes are on our website, capesonthecouch.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Capes on the Couch. Give us a like, subscribe, follow wherever you can find us. Share the love, share the, uh, the joy, be there for each other, be good and care for one another. And we can all get through this. And uh, with all that being said, it's been a fun 2021. Looking forward to coming back to y'all in 2022. For Doc Issues, I'm Anthony Sitko. Thank you so much. We love you and we will see you next year. Capes on the Couch podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Dr. Issues is a psychiatrist, but he is not your psychiatrist and does not have knowledge of your individual situation. For any personal mental health concerns, please consult your own health care providers. For medical emergencies, please call 911 or the designated number in your area immediately. Remember that you are not alone and help is out there.